Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? We welcome you in to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Coe here with you, joined alongside by the wide receiver prognosticator, the pride of West Virginia, the creator of Reception Perception. It is Matt Harmon. What's up? What's up, man? How uh, you doing? Happy to be here. Happy yeah. to be talking. I think it's going to be a fun show today. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, is it going to be a fun show because uh, Alex Gelhar is not here? I said to Marcus, <laughs> I said to Marcus coming Man. up here, like <laughs> Alex is not on this pod. Uh-huh. Nothing's stopping the, me now. The, the take breaks are off. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Nothing's stopping me. Uh, I we we're talking Robinson, uh-huh. like all kinds of yeah. things that I'm actually interested in talking about. We might we could talk for this could be a two hour podcast. Oh boy. Oh boy! Sorry, sorry, crew behind yeah. the glass. This is a two-hour <laughs> podcast. Just who's, warning who's everybody gonna, now. Who's going to keep us on track? Nobody. Nobody. That's who. Nobody. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, in the building. What's up? So I guess I guess I have to go see a movie about fish sex now. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I mean, it won all these awards. It right? did indeed. Oh, yes. oh, oh. Yeah, so yeah. now I gotta. I guess because usually, like, I don't. I'm never one of those people who has to rush out and see all the Oscar movies like ahead of time. I'm not trying to heck, handicap the whole thing. I'll just right, sit right, back right. and watch the show, okay. and then I like figure out what wins the awards, and I determine I right, well, that's the movie that so, I should go see. I, so the Shape of Water looked good. I it like looks the like trailer. A, it looks like an SNL parody. Like a, it's like a digital short. I was waiting for Andy Samberg to pop up in some of the clips. Oh, really? Like, I I like the trailer. I like well. First of all, I like the the shooting style of Guillermo del Toro. I like I like his movies. Yeah, but just watching the clips that they showed on the Oscars, I mean, okay. it's like this dude in a rubber fish suit in a bathtub getting a sponge <laughs> bath. I mean, like literally, <laughs> I thought you know Justin Timberlake was going to pop uh, out and talk about things in boxes. I don't, like, I, don't I didn't watch the Oscars, so I, I didn't uh. see those clips. I, I'm only talking about the movie trip. Yeah, but I guess I'm going to go see it because it won a whole bunch of awards. So. Well, here's my other thing. So they actually have a a, a lovemaking scene in that movie. Like, for reals? Apparently, yes. Like, I just thought she was just trying to crack this guy out of there. No, everything I've heard says, like, the fish man and the woman have intercourse. What? That's just bizarre. <sighs> All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, hi. <laughs> we got Sully behind hey. the glass. Uh, chipping hey, in. Hey, Sully's a, there. Christina's there. With a grinding Nemo? Yeah. Oh, boy. What? <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of this uh uh oh! Oh, here we go. We got Sully. What's, What's up, Sully? guys? I can't. I can't take credit for that. I, I was just getting into your iPad. Oh, there you and, go. And uh, getting getting you to laugh. I like it. Grinding <laughs> yeah. Nemo's Grinding good. That actually was pretty good. I yeah. like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Saw that on tw- on Twitter during, <laughs> during the show. But yeah, I had to share that. It was. It's like a. It's like a hashtag. Make an Oscars movie a porn title. Is that I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Sully will take any chance he can to get, to get on the mic. So. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I just miss talking to you guys. <laughs> See you all the time, man. We talk about. I know, but not on the podcast. Yeah, true, true, yeah, true. That's, that's that's good. The last time you were here was the disastrous episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, post-franchise goodbye. You showed up 30 minutes into the podcast. Oh, okay. Right. We were talking Tavon Austin for like 20 uh, minutes. We did talk yeah, a lot of Tavon that's Austin. Right. By the way, that. back to that. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Miami, right? No. Everybody yeah. stops listening. Okay. No no more Tavon. Okay, right. that's good. All right. uh, we also got uh, producer Christina back there as well. Helping us put hey. on the show. What's up? How you doing? Back again for week two. Back, back, back again. I think you're our producer going forward, right? Yeah, I think you guys are stuck with me now. Okay. No, I think, no, 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 I think no, no, it's no. a you're you stuck, are stuck with us. With us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way this arrangement works. <laughs> How you doing this morning? I'm 
I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. We've got a great show in front of us here today. We're going to break thing, uh, break all things Allen Robinson Jaguars related today. We've got the great Mike Kay uh, from First Coast News joining us a little later in the program. So we will talk all things Allen Robinson. Not getting tagged. No tag whatsoever. No transition tag. No franchise tag. For Allen Robinson, a very surprising move. We'll break down all the happenings there in Duval uh, with Mike K coming up. We're going to react to the combine that happened last week. Um, Saquon Barkley, I mean, come on. He was the story, uh, one of the many stories uh, coming out of the combine. But we'll also talk Calvin Ridley as well. And, of course, our wide receiver prognosticator, the expert I've on wide receivers. I got so about. many combine takes. I've yeah. So Uh-oh. Here we now. go. I loaded, I loaded up the take cannon this week. <laughs> I'm ready to, up to fire off here. So. We'll close out with a round of daily daps, but we'll start your show as we always do with your top fantasy headlines. News, news, news. The rumor mill. That was sick. That was the best one we've had so far. The rumor mill has the Vikings reportedly offering Kirk Cousins a three-year, 90-plus million dollar contract with fully guaranteed money we need like an echo like full guarantee full guarantee <laughs> it would be the first obviously the first fully guaranteed contract in nfl uh, or at least recent nfl history i think it, no it's first time ever right I, I don't know i always i always hesitate when i think about that because like what, what was it like in like the you know like the 50s i don't know i don't even know what it was like in the 80s i mean <laughs> And they just gave you, like, a box of oranges. But you know what like, I'm saying, though? That's fully guaranteed, right? <laughs> I don't know. I know those oranges go bad after know. a while. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyways, three years, 90-plus million. Fully guaranteed, which is – that's good money, man. Yeah, that's good money. I don't know if this is going to end up being the actual contract terms. Yeah. Our, our guy, Tom Pelissero, said that no finances haven't been discussed. I know you are not wanting to buy in on that news, I don't buy James. That. <laughs> no. Uh, but it does sound like the Vikings are kind of the top contender right yeah. now. Which, and it makes a hell, whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like Scheme, personnel, all of those things, it makes it's, sense. It's one of those things that like, it should happen. Yeah. It should happen. This, is what, this is what should happen because he's a top free agent quarterback, I mean, by far. Yep. Uh, they're a team that – I love what Case Keenum did last year, but I definitely think Kirk Cousins is an upgrade. They have a young, great core on offense. They also have an elite defense. I mean, if they lock Cousins up long term, watch out. This, yeah, it's a it's a really dangerous team. I mean, yep. th- none of these guys are kind of nearing the end of the line here with with their careers. So they they could be set up for a really nice three to four year run. And I start thinking about the NFC. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers will have a say in that division and in the NFC as well. So in the conference as well. But I tell you what, man. Uh, you talk about the Vikings getting Kirk Cousins there with those wide receivers on the outside, that elite defense. They're the team to beat. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin back. Cook Dalvin coming back. back. Yep. Okay. Uh, they are the team to beat in the NFC if they get Kirk Cousins. I mean, Philadelphia will be there as well. Uh, they're going to be a good team, obviously, but whew, boy, that would be uh, that'd be an interesting signing there. Uh, the contract can't be officially offered, of course, until. March 12th. Yes. Uh, for what it's worth, NBC yeah. Denver's Mike Kliss still reports that the Broncos are still very much in, in the mix on, on Kirk Cousins. So this is not a done deal yet. No, it's uh, not. Uh, the Jets will be in it, but I think it's going to – it seems like just the last week and a half, really, that it really is zeroing down on Minnesota. If you're Denver, you got to feel pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? Because at, at, when, when all of this stuff was first going down, the thought was that Denver would be in the driver's seat to go get Kirk Cousins – and then we, I don't know. Minnesota was there, but we weren't really sure because they had it all these like the pie in the sky. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it'd be great if it happened, but it's probably not going to happen. Right? They're probably going to re- re-sign their own guys. Denver's in the driver's seat. They have a need. They're willing to go get it. John Elway has been known to go get these guys. And then now they're talking about maybe getting Case Keenum if they lose out on Kirk Cousins. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we just we just had the Olympics not all that long ago, yes. and it's sort of like in those long-distance races, like the Broncos were the rabbit. They were the ones that got out quick, and everybody's like, oh, look at the Broncos. They're way out in front, and they're going to be – and then then the Jets started creeping up. Yeah, yeah. And the Jets kind of, you know, slid their way into the lead for a little sure, bit. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, the Vikings just sat back. We're going to bide our time. Uh-huh. You know, we know what we got. We know what yeah. we can do. And then now that we're getting down toward the, the stretch run, the Vikings have kicked it into gear, and suddenly the Broncos are, are looking like a, a third-place finisher right now. I think the Broncos go into these negotiations, especially with quarterback with, like, 
John Elway get it done. We've got John Elway. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what else do you have to offer? I mean, just looking at the two rosters, it's not even close. No, it's not. You know, and if, yeah. and if Minnesota can pay him. I mean, we were talking we were talking Denver a couple weeks ago. And, and to, in my mind, man, I just I feel like they're in a rebuild right now. Yeah, they don't want to admit it, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They're in that, they're in that netherworld where you're not – you're not admitting you you have to rebuild, and you're just trying to patch things up, and that that's how you end up eight and eight, nine and seven, I, I, kind of a mid round draft pick. I got to be honest with you, with all the, the the movers and shakers in the AFC West too. I mean, we're getting a little off track here, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver finishes six and ten. Honestly, oh yeah, we're, I, that's, I, we're, that's I, an improvement over their five and eleven from last I mean, year. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So that being said, it's so tumultuous in the, in that division as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish ten and six. But uh, I mean, there's a wide range of outcomes because, again, it, the defense is, has aged um, considerably, and they're just not that dominant defense now. Hell, yeah, we're getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Hey, yesterday was the uh, – Tuesday, rather, was the uh, deadline for teams to apply their various tags. The trade market for Jarvis Landry completely dried up. Why? Well, because Allen Robinson surprisingly did not – get tagged uh, again we're gonna have more on this in just a moment the rams opted to not tag sammy watkins as well uh instead opting to tag lamarcus joiner uh to kind of shore up that secondary that's their secondary all, all of a sudden looks dominant now um but sammy watkins not getting tagged not necessarily a huge surprise because it was kind of a 50-50 deal going in. Mm-hmm. But where do you want to see him go? Where do you think he may go? Mark Scram. I want to see him stay with the Rams. I want to see yeah. him stay right where he is. I want to okay. see if they can figure this thing out. Because there were there were flashes last year of what he could be in that offense. I mean, right. I know he, he had that one huge game. Was it a, a Monday night San game? San Francisco, Thursday night, yeah. That, that, that wild Thursday night game between the Niners that and was the like, That was, the, that was the most fun I've ever had on a TNF. Oh, in a TNF and, and I think that was kind of the end of like – TNF is trash. True, <laughs> it kind of was. They took it right in the chin on that one. So that's like that was one of the best games all year. It, it really was. was. It um, so I, Ryan I, Hoyer was starting that game. That's right, <laughs> Ryan Hoyer. But yeah, that time. was that. But was, this was also right before people knew that the Rams were good. Yeah, no. Well, no, we were still was, that sure. was kind of their coming out yeah, party a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah. a little bit still, because, but it was still like, oh, it's the 49ers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd like to see him stay there. I mean, because I think there were there were glimpses of being able to make it work, and obviously you know, they they were working in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Yep. And I just think with a whole off season, kind of maybe I'm maybe it's because I've I've bought into Sean McVay <laughs> and how he's been able to get guys going. I mean, sure. You know, asterisk Tavon Austin, but um, <laughs> running back comes back Austin. to table. I just okay. believe that yeah. that given enough time, they will figure out how to because last year the big hurdle was Sammy Watkins staying healthy, and he did it. This year now is working into the offense. I, I agree with Marcus. I've said that kind of the be- from the beginning that I would like to see him stay with the Rams. This is just the way this offense goes. They don't have a funnel receiver, but I think it's going to be – I think it's good for Watkins because I just don't think he's, you know, an Allen Robinson-type player where he's going to dictate coverage and, and be a number one at this point. Okay. Uh, but – San Francisco I, will be in the mix. I think he's going to test the market yeah. for, for sure because I, I why not? And, and I think some team will, will get – a little enamored with the upside of Sammy Watkins. I, I think Carolina will be in the mix for one of these free agent receivers, and I yep. think that, that they could go after Sammy Watkins. Um, d- doubling back real quick on the Jarvis Landry thing, because yes. this cycle with him has been so fascinating to me, because <laughs> they slapped the franchise tag on him early. Yeah, uh, way early. People did not expect. Right. Uh, they, they expected that him to kind of be the one that walked, not Allen Robinson. He gets the franchise tag. The trade rumors start up. Uh, then they deal for Robert Quinn, which puts them in like a precarious cap situation. I mean, right now they're they're in the hole in terms of the salary cap. That's right. Jarvis, smart move by him, goes and signs that tag so they can't rescind it, <laughs> uh, which is which I think was very much in play. And now they have to trade him or keep him on the roster. It's a real – I don't know, man. I don't see how they keep him on the roster. I don't know how they do either, but – Both from a philosophical standpoint because clearly they were playing games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll just franchise tag you. Oh, and we're going to trade you. But Even though you're not supposed to do that, that's what we're going to do. You don't think it would be super Dolphins to end up with him on the roster come it week would one? Be, it would be, but again – How do they like, make it work? How do you? How do, first of all, how do you mend that relationship? And secondly, again, it's like I think, I think Miami kind of – was peeking ahead a little bit, and they looked at that wide receiver class and said, mm, you know what, it's going to be 
it's going to be a great trade market for wide receivers because Allen Robinson is going back. Sammy yeah. Watkins is going to go back, and some and teams need wide receivers. We can probably get a first out. This of franchise has gone through a bullying scandal and a coach snorting what a look like cocaine <laughs> on camera. Right. You don't think they could handle a wide receiver with hurt feelings? <laughs> oh no, I think it's entirely possible that he's on the roster. It's just really strange. <laughs> oh man, but yes, the trade market for him has dried up. Man. I think I think they're going to wait. Other teams. Like Baltimore, who was interested, like yeah. Chicago, who's interested. I think they're going to wait to see where these dominoes fall uh, in terms of Watkins and Robinson. Because and, the f- and I think I think he still ends up getting dealt, but it's just not going to be as quick as, as we would have thought. Right, and I don't think the price is going to be what yeah. Miami wanted. You know what I'm saying? And I wonder what the price for his – because that's the thing. If you're dealing for Jarvis Landry, you're paying the iron price of not only – Sending a draft pick, yeah. You, then you he wants to get paid. Money, yeah. he, he has to agree to get to get the money. So I think I think he would have fetched at least a second round draft pick, and then they would have talked about an extension. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Now it sucks. You got to maybe take a third. That's what I'm you saying. Probably would if you just let him walk. You would have got a compensatory pick for that next year. It, exactly. So that's exactly right. So they overplayed their hand. They got burned. Yeah, they got so, burned bad. Uh, interesting to say the least. Um, what about Sammy? Going back to Sammy Watkins. I don't see Watkins in San Francisco. Good fit, not a great fit. Uh, yeah, I mean they need help in terms of outside threats, vertical threats to operate outside the numbers deep down the field. They have Marquise Goodwin, but he's definitely not a contested catch threat. That's why people will talk about Robinson and Watkins there. I I th- I think that they are probably they might be more comfortable with their wide receiver situation than we think, and they might not want to. I agree. They might not want to spend big money on one of these two free agents, and maybe take like a second tier, third tier free agent, or maybe even a draft pick. I think they need. I think they need to work on so many other pieces. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, like they need. They really need help at cornerback. They could use help across the defensive right. side of the ball. I mean, that's offensive right. line. Mind, they got a lot of money to spend. They do have they a lot do, of money, but they, to have but they did lock up a lot into Jimmy G already. You know what I mean? So, and then I think that's why if they talk themselves into one of these receivers, that's what they'll they'll say is that we've invested so much in Garoppolo. Let's really make this worth it and get him a long term number one partner. Could be, or they might take the Patriots mentality of, hey, we're going to put they a might, lot of yeah. money to the quarterback. Quarterback, you make it work. We're going to make everything else work. Yeah, So sure. I don't know. Uh, by the way, Sammy Watkins, 24 years old, last year had uh, just shy of 600 yards and eight touchdowns. So, again, it's interesting. The upside is so much more enticing for a guy like Sammy Watkins than the actual production because the production just – I mean, if I told you player X is going to get you 600 yards and eight touchdowns, where are you drafting this dude? I mean – oof. Double-digit rounds, right? I mean, it's eight, hard to – At eight touchdown upside, though, is kind of nice. It is. It, it is. Yeah, he's not a week-to-week asset for fantasy, but he's definitely somebody that can be that weak winner. It's just trying to figure that out when those weeks are going to come. And, and, and To me, it's just, you know, it, he's a guy that you would take in the double-digit rounds if I told you that's the projection for this dude. I guess, but I don't think that would be the projection this year. I, think, I agree. I, I, I think agree. I'm just saying it's interesting. in the offense. Yeah. You know, he came in so late. Yeah, I, I get your point, though. I think definitely the the name value and draft capital once spent on him still carries an awful lot of weight. Well, yeah, and we, and we did see the unbelievable upside. Yeah, we've, we've seen it before. We've seen it. Yeah, we we've have. seen it. We've seen it before as well. All right. Uh, speaking of franchise tags, again, Sammy Watkins did not get tagged. Allen Robinson did not get tagged. But Le'Veon Bell did get franchise tag. Yeah. Um, expectations there. I mean, uh, we're talking about a running back who was obviously one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, talking about missing training camp yet again because of the franchise tag. I don't know, man. Uh, it's uh, you're, you're taking him with the top five. Business. He will sign. Yeah. He will play. He will be good. All right. Yeah, there you go. Let's go to the phones. All right, so we got Mike K, Jags beat reporter for First Coast News. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, it has been a pretty boring offseason <laughs> uh, for the Jaguars, no? You know, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, so many things happening here. Um, obviously, the Blake Bortles extension, uh, so that's fine. I thought that was a great deal uh, for the team, really. But um, I just, I'm just curious, man. Like, why did the Jags not put the franchise tag on Allen Robinson? I just don't understand that move. Well, I understand not putting the franchise tag on him, but they should have put the transition tag on him at least. That's like where you, where you, you like a girl 
but you don't love her, mm-hmm. and you just want to make sure, like, you want to see it through. It. You know what I mean? You kind of you want to see other people, but you also, <laughs> you know, really like that girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I think I think for this franchise, when you look at what the team is doing, I think something nobody's talking about is the rollover cap for next year. Maybe they didn't want to impact that because Jalen Ramsey's going to have to get paid, Miles Jack's going to get paid, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is going to get paid. So maybe they looked into that. Yeah, I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. This kid's 24. He's on pace to to be in camp with his ACL tear. Right. I've been doing a, a, a series with him, and a six-part series with him, First Coast News, and he is just really upbeat. He's, I've covered him for three years. This is the most mature he's, he's ever come across. He seems to love it here. It's very weird. So, all right, so you're doing this extended series with Allen Robinson. I mean, did you get a sense that, that maybe he was thinking that he was going to get tagged or or maybe potentially work out a, a longer-term deal with, with the organization? I mean, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, man. Up until maybe a couple days ago, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that this guy was going to be back with the Jaguars, and, and now he's not. Well, I got the sense that he was open to being franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he knew. He, he was kind of left in the dark because they negotiated last training camp and they put off talk because Allen Robinson wanted to bet on himself that year. Obviously, it didn't work out that well. But they didn't talk until the last week's combine. They didn't re- renegotiate mm-hmm. until last week's combine. That's almost I mean, unfathomable for a former Pro Bowl wide receiver who's 24, who once put up 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Right. And I think, I think he's a guy that's excited about free agency. I think he knows there's going to be options out there. If you look on paper, it's easy to link San Francisco, Chicago, and the New York Jets to him. And those guys have boatloads of cash. I can't imagine a team wouldn't front load a, a three-year deal. Right. Uh, you know, let's say he got offered three years, forty million, twenty-five million of that guaranteed, and then he can hit free agency again by the time he's twenty-seven. I can't imagine there isn't a team out there that would do that. That's why not using the transition tag makes so little sense to me. All right, so when I when I saw that you know the the team wasn't going to put a tag on Allen Robinson, my mind immediately went to okay, is the ACL still a concern? For the organization, are you getting a sense that maybe he hasn't fully recovered from his injury? No, I he he's making really good progress. Um, for the interview, we walked up three flights of stairs and he was fine. So mm-hmm. there's that. He constantly is putting out videos on his social media that he's doing bunny hops mm-hmm. and, and all these things to, in his rehab. I mean, he's not back yet. Uh, and there's always a concern with an ACL tear, especially for a guy who uses the leaping ability like he does. Uh, but I don't get the sense like he's concerned about it. I don't know if the team's concerned about it. What I think the issue is, is he had a quote-unquote down year in 2016 where he didn't really have any chemistry with Blake Bortles, came in, had a great training camp, and then he tears his ACL, and you only have three snaps under this new regime newish regime uh with doug marone and tom coughlin mike uh, it's harman here i've i've been following you obviously for for a long time and especially the last couple of days you know you you've mentioned that the jaguars still have an exclusive period of negotiation here with uh, robinson for the at least the next couple of days what you know i i know percentage chances are stupid but but what what what's the percentage chance that you think he's back with jacksonville is it straight zero or 50 percent or what let's go with 33 <laughs> percent i think if I you it. look at his options why wouldn't you test free agents right go yeah. see what your market is i i just that's what's so perplexing about this is you know we talk about the legal tampering period but if you're Allen Robinson, why agree to a deal before you hit free agency if you have the opportunity to hit free agency when, you know, Matt, you know as well as anybody, this free agency class is n- not very good. Mm-hmm. You've got, I mean, you've got Paul Richardson, whose best year is subpar to Allen Robinson's quote-unquote uh, bad year in 2016. You have Sammy Watkins, who's basically had the same career as Allen Robinson and was a, a higher draft pick. Uh, 
um, who two teams may now quit on. Uh, and then you've got Marquise Lee and, like, Taylor Gabriel, who are nice, like, two or th- number two or three pieces. I, I, to me, it's just Allen Robinson is the best-looking girl to dance. You may have a mustache. He may have a mustache, but you, you're willing to make the you're willing to make you know the best of the situation. I just think he is by far the name to watch in the wide receiver market, and nobody can convince me otherwise. Mike, I want to know what dances you're going to, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a lot of relationship advice. More, so. <laughs> so, but Mike, I mean, if if Allen Robinson gets away, what is there a contingency plan at wide receiver for the team? That's what's hard to figure out. I think if Robinson were to leave, they would hold on to Alan Hearns. Mm. Um, they really, really, really like D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook, to everyone, was a Marquise Lee backstop. Like, he was going to be the guy that took over for Marquise Lee when Marquise Lee inevitably walked. And I was convinced Marquise Lee was going to walk entering this offseason. Now with Alan Robinson potentially leaving town um, and the Jaguars owning the 29th pick, which – I've been told they're going to go very, very strong at the offensive line in the draft mm. and maybe not as much in free agency as you'd expect. So if they're waiting till the second round and they're looking at a guy like Dante Pettis, that's great, but he can't be relied on as the number one right away. And right. so I think you have to figure out how you feel about Marquise Lee. Maybe you give him uh, you know, the, the old Jeremy Macklin one-year $6 million, $8 million deal and then he's a stopgap for a year while Pettis and whoever you draft and Didi and all them get better because the reality of the situation is three of the top four wide receivers on this roster under contract have only played one year of football in the NFL. Let me, let me ask you this, Mike, and this might be like way too meta of a question, uh, but I, I, I kind of get the feeling that Jacksonville right now is, is sort of like they're buying in too hard of the success of, of last year and like, hey, well, we got to the AFC championship game without Allen Robinson. Maybe we don't need him that much. You know, buying into that identity of like, well, we got Leonard Fournette. We're going to reinvest in the offensive line. But you do need to field a competent passing game in the NFL. Am I am I way off on that, or do you kind of get the sense that that might be how they're approaching the situation too? I, I think that's fair. Um, and I think that to, to some that would come off as arrogance, but I think what Tom Coughlin has always said is, you know, this is a new regime. I know Dave Codwell's here, but you have to prove it to Marone. You have to prove it to Coughlin uh, that you can be successful. And when you only have three snaps under a, under that regime, it's impossible to prove yourself. So maybe it's that they value what they know and not what they don't know. Mm. Um, I could see this becoming an issue for a lot of people in the locker room because Allen Robinson is one of the most liked guys in that locker room. Mm. So is Aaron Colvin. And if you're not going to pay your internal talent um, when you're bringing in A.J. Boye for a mint, for right. you know Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, obviously those guys have played well since you've brought them in. But they've spent a lot of money on free agents, and they finally have guys that deserve this money. They paid Telvin Smith with a, a deal, if you look at it, really isn't as beneficial for Smith as it is for the team. They've re-upped some other guys, but... I just think Blake Bortles. You know, I mean, that the Blake Bortles yeah, extension Blake Bortles, was very team friendly. Right, very team friendly. I thought it was a great deal. It meant that you could re-sign Colvin and Robinson, and then still look for a right. big free agent guard uh, or linebacker. And and the thing is, it's weird, guys. When you look at the way that this roster is set up, a lot of them are Dave Codwell's additions, a lot of Dave Codwell's picks, and Dave Codwell does not like getting rid of his own guys. He is very loyal to draft picks. So you, one would assume that Tom Coughlin has a lot of say in perhaps not franchising Allen Robinson. Hmm. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the passing game here, but, I mean, on the flip side, if do they feel like they can field enough of a competent passing game to help open things up for Leonard Fournette? I mean, we saw he saw a lot of loaded boxes this year. Do they feel like they have the pieces in place to kind of make things easier for their prized running back? Well, I don't know if they can. They can feel that way. If you watch the AFC Championship game, they relied on Corey Grant as the top receiving option for the right. entire first half, then moved away from him. And that was the only time they were really moving the ball consistently. Still confused uh, about Mar- that. All, all <laughs> this time later, I'm still confused about that second half. Why, why'd they go away from Corey Grant? I don't know. No, no one knows. 
I mean, only Nathaniel Hackett and Doug Marone probably know. Yeah, they uh, haven't returned but, my calls, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Same here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the thing is, for me, you've got Alan Hearn, who I think his reputation's kind of fallen off because of injuries. But he is, like, one of the most consistent, uh, you know, number three wide receivers in the league. He's got good hands. The problem is, is he's not a natural slot guy. And I think that's been one of their issues. They don't have that guy that can really work the slot to a, to like the the best degree. Yeah. As it were, none of these guys are natural. They had Brian Walters in there, who's done the best out of any of them, and he, you know, he's a journeyman, not a big deal. But he was a natural slot guy. A lot of the the guys that they're using, D.D. Westbrook, uh, Keelan Cole, those guys are, are more boundary wide receivers, and I don't know if they have that guy that they could go to across the middle consistently enough. You have Marquise Lee running you know, crossing routes all game, but I don't think he's comfortable doing that. So they have to figure out how they can get the ball into the middle of the field and move it, you know, take advantage of these linebackers and these safeties, um, which means they also need to have a pass-catching tight end, and I believe they will address that in not only free agency but the draft. Mm. It's interesting. Mike Kay from First Coast News, great information as always. Follow him on Twitter. Mike, how do people find your work, man? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at the most obnoxious Twitter name ever, Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Look, the underscores were before I became big league. You know, oh, right? I see. So I, Same, so, man. So i got to keep with them or else you lose the, the check mark. That's right. Um, and then you can check me out on firstcoastnews.com. Like I said, I'm doing this piece on Allen Robinson, so if you're – a fan of a team like San Francisco or New York, uh, I've kind of built the Bible on Allen Robinson. It's a, it's a year-by-year perspective and now focusing on the offseason. Hey, so there you go. That's, there you go. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter for Jags News, you're not doing it right. Mike K from First Coast News. Hey, Mike, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right, so some interesting information certainly from Mike there. Um, you know, talking about potentially keeping Alan Hearns, I just, to me, that's a mistake. I mean, at the price anyways, because he, he's due $7 bucks next year. I mean, I get that if you franchise Alan Robinson, it's going to cost you, what, $13 million? Six, 16. 16 million? 16 million, I think. I mean, there. to me, it's worth it. I just I'm I'm baffled by the move, um, and, and it's it's like you said, Matt. Uh, I just don't understand. Look, you got to field at least a threat on the outside, and yeah, they got to the AFC Championship game. They played well, uh, but adding a guy like Allen Robinson could legitimately take you over the top. Yeah. I just I don't understand it. Yeah, Mike said it best that in, in this free agent market, yeah. uh, there I th- think there's a lot to like out there in these guys, but they're all like Tons. potential reclamation projects, right. role players. If there's one guy that's shown he can like over a over a good season that he can be a number one receiver, it's been Allen Robinson. I mean, even though the 2016 was a down year, volume wise, he still commanded number one receiver attention. Yep. Uh, the workload, so he's definitely a difference maker. Another Jags beat writer, Ryan O'Halloran, Ryan O'Halloran put out a pretty good piece about the 15 reasons why this is maybe a questionable move, uh, and he noted in there that he still thinks that Robinson is the best player on the offense, Leonard Fournette aside, and, and I would agree, like, in terms of a week-to-week difference maker, yeah. he still is an elite player, uh, at least potentially. So it's a confusing 14 and move. 14, how the yeah. hell? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a confusing move, and if, if he's gone, their yeah. passing game is just – you know, the, some of these guys that I think we're all interested in, like a D.D. Westbrook, especially a Keelan Cole, like yeah. they then get thrusted into roles that, you know, maybe for fantasy they're going to get some stock up because target-wise, but I don't think that they're ready to handle. All right, so we are on a fantasy podcast. Uh, I, You know, you hear about Alan Robinson potentially moving on from Jacksonville. My mind immediately starts thinking about fantasy. My mind immediately starts thinking about, okay, well, who fills that role? So Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook from weeks 12 to 17, nearly identical targets and air yards if you were just talking about pure volume, okay? Targets, Keelan Cole had 43, D.D. had 45. Air yards, again, this is uh, the last six weeks of the season here. Uh, Keelan Cole had 553 air yards. D.D. Westbrook, 560 air yards. Now, the production was different, okay? Keelan Cole led the way in yards and touchdowns uh, with 505 yard, receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Meanwhile, D.D. Westbrook had 304 receiving yards and one 
receiving touchdowns. So Keelan Cole led the way, but if we're talking about volume now, okay, and, and projections, you know, really center around volume, mm-hmm. targets and air yards, both Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook, very, very similar in that offense. They are. Uh, but, you know, as as Mike mentioned, and, and I think we heard a lot of it last year, too, that the Jags love D.D. Westbrook. They do. And they want him to be the guy. And, and D.D. loves himself some D.D. Hey, why not? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and maybe maybe that is the kind of the galaxy brain thinking here in Jacksonville, that okay. we let Allen Robinson go and we develop D.D. Westbrook. I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a you know, we, we, we're going to trade Monte Ellis to develop Steph Curry sort of thing, so, you know, that they got going on down <laughs> okay, there. I get what you're saying. Okay. I mean, like, I don't know. Interesting. I mean, that's that's all I can think because here it is. You were a team that was in the AFC Championship game, and maybe you played above your head in in, in yeah. some respects. But you can't let key pieces go and expect this to happen again. So maybe they believe that D.D. Westbrook is that guy, and they pair him with Blake Bortles. I just it's crazy to me because Allen Robinson is a little bit. He's like an eraser. You know what I'm saying? You make a mistake. Maybe Allen Robinson is the guy that erases that mistake. You know what I mean? Um, you talk about playing over their heads. I, I don't know necessarily. I mean, their defense. Their is, defense did not. But their, their defense is built to last. Although I will say, Calais Campbell. You, re- I mean, he was a crazy. He was insane. He was insane last year. You, I don't know if you can go into 2018 saying, "Well, look, old ass Calais Campbell is going to give me that season again." I just, I just don't know. By the way, you know what's fascinating too about D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole too. Like both of those guys are, they're. Older for rookies. I know R.I.P. franchise. He used to love that, love that expression. He hated it, yes. But they're both 24 years old. Uh, Alan Robinson just, is multiple years into the league. Right. He's 24, 24 years, years old. old. Right. It's just it's just strange that they're letting such a dynamic young talent test the market. And I do think he's a test the market. So, but I want to ask you guys. Yeah. I actually am going to be writing a piece about my favorite picks for his landing spots, just real-life based, not fantasy, but where do you guys think is the best spot that he, he could end up? Because I think he's going to test the market. San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. is a great spot for him. You know, I mean, and it, and it really, he would, I mean, just lock into that offense, right? Because he's the clear-cut number one. Marquise Goodwin on the outside. Okay, Pierre great. Garçon's coming Pierre back. Pierre Garçon, yeah. Trent Taylor. Pierre George Garçon's Kittle. coming back, though? Really? Like, they're not going to let him go? Yeah, yeah, no, they, they're not. No, they're, no, it sounds like he's coming back. He's coming back. Really? They yeah. paid him a pretty decent amount of money, and he was playing. And he's well playing before well before he got hurt. All right. Well, either way, uh, Mar- I think Marquise Goodwin, uh, to me, anyways, profiles as a better, you know, guy on the outside, opposite of Allen Robinson. I still love Pierre, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, either even if they wanted to go, you know, three wide receivers, you got you know Pierre Garcon working the inside a little bit, uh, which I think he he can still do very well. Trent Taylor obviously is, is a depth piece as Locked well. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean he really locks into that offense pretty nice. Uh, look, Baltimore needs wide receivers. I was gonna help. say Baltimore. They they seem like a team that they kind of understand that they've hit on. A free agent wide receivers much more than they have on draft picks, uh, and I. I Why def- have they been so bad at drafting wide receivers? Some teams just can't do it. I mean, the Patriots are the same way. Like they consistently whiff on these draft picks, and then that's why they're like, "Well, we'll just go send a first round pick for Brandon Cooks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. But I think Baltimore is an interesting fit to me as well because what Joe Flacco does well is he does throw a nice deep ball. He just hasn't had anybody to to go and get it. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, I Wasn't Mike that, Wallace supposed to be that guy? Wasn't that why they got Mike Wallace? Yeah, Wasn't yeah. that why they got Jeremy Macklin? Yes, yeah. 100% yes. <laughs> Mac- Jeremy Macklin was, was toast. Wallace kind of had a decent year. He did have a decent year, yeah. but, I mean, he wasn't necessarily – I mean, they had him doing so many things. Yeah, yeah, he ended up carrying much more of the brunt of the receiving work. I mean, they they're, they just have no depth there. If, if they None. cut – if Wallace walks in free agency and then they cut Macklin, they're looking at, like, Brashad Perriman. Say, this is the year for Brashad Perriman. I don't know if this is the, is thing, the is, year. thing is, they aren't even talking like that. Like, they're like, this is – I think Ozzie Newsom kind of – It was make or break. Yeah, make or break. Like, last chance. Great, great oh, stuff. So, man. yeah, just – I think Baltimore is a pretty – Good, like he's a, he could walk into 140, 150 oh, targets easy. in Baltimore. Oh, easy. Chicago, I think, will be in the mix. Yeah, that for for fantasy purposes, anyways. I don't, I don't think that's a great fit for him because it's like Mitchell Trubisky still learning on the job. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say, well, they're going to be behind a lot. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think Carolina will be in the mix too. They're another one to watch out for because they be they definitely need to overhaul their receiving core. Mm. I think he and Cam Newton stylistically would fit well together because yeah. 
Robinson was at his best year. He was elite, an elite deep threat. Over fifty percent right. of his yards came on deep passes. So I think that's definitely a spot to look out for too. And I mean, that would be I would really enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Two worlds colliding. So it definitely won't happen. Again, we appreciate Mike K joining the program. Let's talk combine. The NFL scouting <laughs> combine. Um, Saquon Barkley was a star, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, no, no surprise. Just, just an absolute animal. Um, whether we're talking about the bench press, whether we're talking about vertical leap, whether we're talking about 40-yard dash, uh, three-cone, all of it. He was amazing. He looked great in passing drills. I mean, Saquon Barkley just looked amazing. And then you pair that with the game tape. And then you pair that with the draft capital. You you start thinking about all these things. I, I had fired off on, on Twitter.com that I think in fantasy drafts next year, Saquon Barkley, regardless of team, as we sit today, is a top 10 pick in fantasy. Is that a hot take, yay or nay? I go nay. I I don't think I would spend a top 10 pick on him, but I think by the time we get to, you know, August, that will be a lot of the buzz around Saquon Barkley that he'll be because for as much as we know fantasy-wise that running backs can sort of be found in a lot of different places, there yeah. is still that desire to get a guy you think can be that game changer. And and, and maybe he is. Uh, he certainly has the ability, but I think people kind of desirous of that potential production will reach into the top ten, hoping he can be a, a Lev Bell or a Zeke or, you know, uh, somebody like that. Do you still think that uh, David Johnson will be a top five pick? Yes. Top five? Yes. <sighs> yes. Bad offense, bro. I know, but he's still going to get pummeled with volume, especially receiving touches yeah. too yeah I, I think he still will be on Saquon Barkley I yes. think back to the Zeke phenomenon from a couple sure. of years ago oh yeah oh yeah going it like early draft <laughs> you mean our last generational back yeah our last our last oh my god we have, <laughs> we've got to retire <laughs> we once to, in a generation we've got we've to get rid of that <laughs> we've got to get rid of once in a generation because it means literally once in a damn generation you can't <laughs> like you, even to even for the to be like this is the next <laughs> Adrian Peterson as the, the, the greatest generation <laughs> back since Adrian Peterson who is of the same generation, generation yeah but, okay. <laughs> also yeah like Fournette was that guy Zeke was that guy Todd, early early was that like, guy. come on, man. We can't do this every two years. <laughs> We're getting like every uh, every year now. It's so it's funny. it's a joke. But so that aside, okay. I think back to that situation, like in early drafts and like MFL tens and the real sickos out there that the draft before the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Zeke was going in like the third round, uh, and then when he got launched up to the first round based on his landing spot right. with the Cowboys, which was this the perfect soil to grow a great running game. Uh, I, I think it does depend on where Barkley lands because if he goes to Cleveland at the top of the draft, which is a whole separate discussion, right? no thanks. I'm not taking it. I don't care how good he is. I'm not taking it back on that offense in the top ten picks. Honestly, prob- in New York, maybe. Uh, Denver, I don't know. This is this is, uh, this is – it's just – it's tough. It depends on landing spot to, to spend – I think – I mean, it's also fair to remember – the reason Zeke was a top ten pick immediately was because yeah. of the line he was put behind. Sure, because Fournette didn't have that. Uh, Gurley didn't really have that. But Zeke, we we all looked at were like best prospect again with the best offensive line. Gurley also was coming out. in with an injury too. That's true. He he was that is true. set to miss because what he missed the first three games, two or three games. First, I think long, more than that, but whatever. But to, yeah, so it depends on landing spot. The the good thing about Barkley is that he is supposed to be a great pass catcher, so I think he'll right. have a great floor. I mean, yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, you, you can't not be excited about him, and I expect by the time. If he's a Cleveland Brown, I'm taking him top ten. Oh, my God. I don't care. That's cool. I don't care. I, because here's the thing. You, you talk about offensive line. They don't have a bad offensive no, line. No, they, they don't. You're they right. They have a good offensive line. They have a bad head coach. And I think I think the, the play calling, the overall offensive effectiveness, I weigh that stuff way more than I do an offensive line. I don't really I don't really know how to, to outside of a special situation like Dallas, I don't really know how to like equate that percentage sure. wise like into a projection for a I player. I, I know that we talk about it and we will always talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to say like, okay, this is a great offensive line. Now this makes a huge difference. <laughs> I think just it's it's overall touches and the efficiency of those touches and I don't believe that if 
Cleveland passes up a quarterback or 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 he's the running back for an freaking AJ McCarron led offense like that I'm really going to trust <laughs> that these are going to be efficient touches. So that's where I stand on. That. All right, there you go. I'll still take him at top 10. Let's go. Um Calvin Ridley, man, you brought up a great point Matt Harmon. Calvin Ridley just bombed. He absolutely bombed uh the combine. Um I don't know. I felt like because he ran a good 40 that yeah. it got kind of washed you know yeah, what I'm people, saying? Like people only pay attention to to the forty, and it's like, oh, well, he that's... Ran, what, what a four four five forty, which is totally respectable. Sure. Very good. Um, but again, I just I I think in every other metric, I don't think he he did well. You look at his vertical leap, horrible. What was it, thirty one inches or something? That's horrible. Oh, yeah, it was it was real bad for his size. Forget it. That, I was gonna say too, horrible. like that that was the first the first red flag was when he measured in. At uh one one eighty nine six foot yeah. one eighty nine six foot one eighty nine and that so is not good. Just a couple sites to re- to recommend f- to check out these like combine results in terms of their overall like percentile and how they relate and, and composite scores to athleticism. Mockdraftable.com does a really good job with mm. collecting these. Same with Three Sigma Athlete and you know you can you can say it what you want about spark and like what it what it measures or whatever but i just think it helps give you kind of a ballpark i mean it's not the end all be all for a player uh but calvin ridley in spark which composite scores all of their athleticism together and measures yeah. by weight and everything he was the seventh percentile seventh yes yeah, so I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now Ugh. on mock draftable and it, it will give you comparisons who these guys who their measurable sort of match up okay to. uh the only recognized oh, there are two recognizable names on this list yes okay uh, one is Farrow Cooper because he's in the league right now and, and still relatively recent. The other, Lavernius Coles, which Lav Coles which isn't a terrible comparison. No, but I mean, well, first of all, Lav Coles is good. Let's go through. The, I mean, I'll go through the name, the other names on this list. Okay, and tell me, you know, whether you remember these dudes. I've never heard of any of them. Herb Haygood. Nope. Talman Gardner. Ta- Come on, bro. OJ. First of all, Talman Gardner sounds like. I mean, th- that's that's somebody from Game of Thrones. <laughs> OJ, Actually, he's from Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> okay. OJ Murdoch. OJ Murdoch. Jerris McIntyre. Yeah. Donnie Hart. Donnie Hart. Rashawn Scott. I do actually recognize that, but that's just Rashawn Scott. Yeah, but wow. okay, he's, just because I follow the draft. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember. Marquay Mar- McDaniel. Marquay McDaniel is definitely an East West Bowl. <laughs> From Xmas Jackson Flex and Wex, and you know what I'm saying. Um, and then Keenan Howry, who I remember at or I remember him at Oregon. Okay. I don't remember him at all in the NFL. You could have made up every single one of those. <laughs> those were um, those are great creative player names. Great creative player names. But I I so with Calvin Ridley, I going into this process, he was the consensus number one receiver. Yeah. The guy that was atop everybody's board, no question, and a pretty decent gap between him and one and two. And the funny thing is. I still think that most people feel that way about Calvin Ridley, but I look at some of these other numbers, 15 reps on the bench, which is, okay, whatever. But 31-inch vertical, that to me was – That's at the 7th percentile. That's a big red flag. The broad jump even worse is at the 2nd percentile. So, I, And his pro days today too, I, don't, I haven't seen the results yet from that, and I think it will be important to kind of maybe see if he improves a little bit. I mean, he could have just had a bad day. It happens. But So with Calvin Ridley – I've charted him for reception, perception. I've, yeah. I've checked that out. He had a lot he's, of drops too, man. Well, he's not a, he's not a good contested catch receiver. Okay, he's really similar to like Amari Cooper in that way that he's a great separator all across the field. Really dangerous vertical threat, which I mean, you can see he's got good straight line speed and everything. Right. Uh, but I just didn't see, after looking at him on film and looking at some of the other top guys in this class. Right. I think there's easily an argument that he's maybe the second or third or fourth best receiver in this class. I I don't think there's any gap between him and some of these other guys, especially after seeing him test the combine. Still really like him. Still overall, you know, hashtag trust the tape uh, <laughs> on this one. But do I, you I, though? Like, no, I do. I because I think he's okay. he was really good on film. Again, separating as an outside receiver. I don't think he's the number one, but I don't know that any of these guys are number ones. There's a couple guys that I think I'm excited could go down that path, yeah, but I yeah. think he's I think he's more of like a really good, solid number two receiver. I, that's where that's where I would put him. I, I think the what Armin said, part of what he said, and I feel like it's the caveat we give after the combine every single year. It's okay. that if you watch a guy and you have a feeling about him, then suddenly the combine numbers are kind of like uh, we can I won't say discount them completely, but you're like. Yeah, I like what I saw on tape. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you love a guy, mm-hmm. and his combine numbers are great, then suddenly you val- he's validated. I yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you like Calvin Ridley, and he would have just come and just 
gone Saquon at the uh, at the combine. People right. have just been, oh my God, Calvin Ridley is sure. the yeah, next, yeah, you yeah. know, Antonio Brown or whatever. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just how much do you want to weigh it? I, I don't know. I mean, what really matters is for fantasy, especially, is just where he where he's going to get drafted and who he gets drafted by. Uh, but so yeah, so I, I in the end, I just think it's worth the discussion. Uh, 100%. It's definitely a red flag. Although overall, I still think I I like him as a player. But there are other guys in the class I'm definitely more excited about. Such as okay, so a couple of guys I really like after after <laughs> he was uh, so ready for that so question. Ready for them. <laughs> <laughs> so this this class, I know it's it's supposed to be not a good wide receiver class, and I get it. There's no AJ Green, Julio Jones type prospects that's going to go in the top ten picks, and and I totally agree with that. But guys like DJ Moore, who was had a great combine. Uh, Cortland Sutton was another one guy out of. No, Southern, I love him. Yeah, Southern Mississippi or uh, no, no, uh, different SMU. 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 Sorry, <laughs> I get Southern, my Southern, Southern Methodist all mixed yeah. up. But yeah. he's definitely a player that I'm really excited about right now. He's he had a good combine, a great three cone drill, and I think he he reminds me a lot of like Demarius Thomas, okay. uh, somebody that still needs a lot of work in terms of their route technique and everything like that. Okay, but great after the catch, especially for somebody and that's a physical that big. Yeah, physical specimen, and uh, also another guy that I'm I'm really excited about. I think might be like my favorite player that I've seen so far is Equinemius Saint Brown. Got the best Notre name, Dame. maybe in the draft. Oh, I'm gonna go with Great just name. EQ. EQ, from, baby. From now on. EQ. Uh, ESB. ESB. Is I think that's, ESB that's is thrown the, around. Right. Okay. But he's a guy that had a, not a great last year at Notre Dame statistically, but that's pretty easy to spot why after you watch him the the quarterback play there not great. Um, he reminds me a lot of like a Martavis Bryant. He's Ooh. big play threat. Okay, absolutely dangerous. Gets open at all levels of the field. He will make some mistakes with drops and whatever, but uh, I think he's also super dangerous in the open field. This is a player, he, and he went out. He didn't. The only thing he did, I think, was the uh, was the four yard dash. But he ripped off a four four eight at six four. 200 t- I see James is making the is making the face. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting we're getting James excited here. Anytime we go sub 45 baby. And and Let's especially go. especially somebody that that checked in at like 64 or whatever. So he's he's definitely somebody that I'm I'm really excited about. A 64 um, wide receiver with sub 45 speed. Yes. Sign yeah, me up. Yeah, 448 and he measured in at 64 64 Come on. and a half and Come on. 14. Let's go. I think well, again, this is a group that we're like not sure are, is there a number one receiver? Probably right. not a guy. Definitely not a guy that's going to go in the top ten. But I think if we're looking at players that could fulfill that, yeah, I think you're looking at Sutton. Yep, and I think you're looking at Saint Brown as as sort of those guys that, that check the prototype boxes. DJ and Moore is more of that. Uh, he's underneath he's like a, dude. He's like a. He's so he, the comp that he, it's easiest to make is Golden Tate. They play okay. exactly the same way. Got it. They get open in the same areas on the same routes, and they're really good with the ball in their hands. Just tough, physical badasses. Like, oh hell yeah! I I, I really like him. he's he's somebody that your team could draft in the late first round, and maybe they're never going to get an elite outside wide receiver. But you're going to get highly somebody, productive. Yeah, you're going to get a golden take, catch ninety passes hell four yeah. years in a row. So he's go. these are the players so far that have have made me really excited. And honestly, I can hear arguments for listing any of those guys ahead of Ridley at this and, point. But that's what I'm saying. That, that When I look at a guy like Calvin Ridley, who, again, played for a dominant football team, that you had to – I mean, you had to stack the box and stop the run. You had to. Um, single A lot of single coverage on the outside. You, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've scouted the guy, but uh, – to me, at least, on first glance, it, it would seem as if Calvin Ridley saw a lot of single coverage on the outside. And to me, it's that's look. If you're if you are any kind of receiver worth your salt, and you're seeing single coverage on the outside, and you've got and the quarterback has all day to throw, well, you know you might be a pretty productive wide receiver. Yeah, he just <laughs> but in the, it's just important to note that he definitely executed in that assignment. Like he's the only guy I think that had more than 300 receiving yards on Alabama last year. Uh, <laughs> he just like he like I said, he gets open really well at all areas. Okay, just not. Not elite scores against press coverage for me, and really poor scores in contested situations. So I, small, I, too. Yeah, he's definitely. Yeah, I think he's just a good number two receiver. Okay. Definitely, like I said, good player, but not somebody that I think is just the clear number one wide receiver. And like, let's let's just not even argue it. And I wanted to mention one more name too that right. we talked about last week was James Washington, who yeah. measured in about what I expected. I think five. It was he, he was 5'10". 5'11", I thought, or 5'10". Yeah, he might have been 5'10", 5'11", 213 pounds. Really interesting body type, but he, he reminds me so much of Marvin Jones. He's uh, weird because he's I watched him, and 
maybe it's because he wears number twenty eight, and he also sort of has a running back build. I know. I think, but I think it's because <laughs> I really do think it's because of the number. Like num- jersey number scouting is totally on. <laughs> no, my, it's, it's, it's totally so, on my radar. Right. It's so it's so weird because like he's he's big in the upper body yeah. and kind of like you know kind of smaller lower body, but so he's like built like a bowling ball yeah, type running DJ back. DJ said that a lot on. And the then he wears there. number twenty eight. So you watch him and you're like. Did they just split that guy out wide? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. But he's right. Gr- like great vertical threat. I love his hands. Tracks the hell out of the ball. Yeah. He's a guy that I think is is sneaky fast. Yeah, because he didn't the, run. He, I think he ran a four five four or something. Right. But definitely not not like an elite forty time by any measure. Still but, good but, for NFL standards. I mean, it's still yeah, uh, it's it's fine, especially for how he's built too. Right. Like like to be two hundred thirteen pounds and rocked up like that. Yeah, he's, he's. I would also assume once you put the pads on, he's not losing that four or five speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could easily see him being the best receiver in this class, just because again, well, he was maybe a Blitnikoff winner. So yeah, right. Maybe maybe not an elite number one, but I think again, I come back to that Marvin Jones comparison. I'm trying to get better at comps because I suck, <laughs> at that. Uh, but I'm trying to make them more because it just helps people understand. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to give up like my war on comps which I've 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 done for the last few draft <laughs> seasons but the thing about like what's great about Marvin Jones is okay. he's not that you know he's not the elite number one receiver no. he fills that role for Detroit because he does two things that are rare and valuable he gets down the field oh, yeah. and he wins in tight coverage and contested situations that's exactly what James Washington does that's why I view them they're not built quite the same way but definitely not but uh but that's why I think it's just an easy comparison just I mean, just remember like comps aren't necessarily to be a one to one you know just somebody who reminds you of right. It's like yeah. okay, so they're play, play, play style, come on, types. yeah, exactly. It always brings me back to why didn't Cal throw Marvin Jones more? I don't understand. You will always uh, ask that question. I don't understand. Uh, all right, so let's close out your show with your round of daily daps. Daps. We shall start. Well, how about this? I'll start for for once. We okay. start. We start talking about the combine. Selfish, but okay. yes, exactly. Uh, and it's because uh, we, we started. We finished t- talking about the combine. Um, Shaquem Griffin, man. Daily daps to him. Linebacker from UCF. Um, he lost his left hand due to a prenatal condition. But, man, he killed the It was combine. amazing. Oh, man. Blew oh, up Twitter with amazing. Four, he ran a 4-3-8. I, I wasn't watching the combine when it happened, but I happened to pull up Twitter on my phone, and yeah. it went slot machine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. about That's, the 4-3-8. And it was, too, it, it was funny, too, because he killed the bench. 20 reps on the bench with one hand, bro. 20 reps on the bench with one hand. He's yeah, he had a prosthetic one. hand. It, exactly. It was unbelievable, yeah. It's, uh, he's 6'1", 230 pounds, highly productive in college as well. Again, 6'1", 230, ran a 4'3", Yeah. Bro, you can get the PR thing out of here. You can get the feel-good story. This dude can just straight up ball. Dude yeah. balls. He's a good football player. He, was, he will be a huge <laughs> asset to anyone's defense. He was, what, the captain of the defense on a team that went undefeated? Undefeated. That's so right. I don't know. I yeah. feel like that's that's a pretty good uh, notch on the resume, right? That's a pretty good thing to put on the resume. Just well, saying. Well, so, yeah. Whether it's uh, you know as a special teamer or just whatever, like he's gonna get on the field and he's gonna he's gonna play well. I uh, mean, it, I don't it, know what his coverage skills are like, but if some coach can just work with this dude in coverage, he will be a terrific linebacker in the NFL. Yep. Josh, Josh Norris tweeted out a play. I, I'm trying to find it, but I, I I don't think I'm gonna be able to right now. Like he tweeted out a play where. Or just a clip of of Shaquem Griffin playing a game where they, he played ninety snaps, played all all ninety of the defensive snaps or something like that, and in the fourth quarter, like he's still just hunting guys. And I listened to a really good interview that he did with uh, DJ and Bucky on Move the Sticks, and you could just he just is electrifying to talk to. And like he even said, he's like, man, after like football games, like. I just can't do anything else because, like, I just give it. I just give it everything I have. He's just such an easy story to root for, for oh, man. sure. Uh, anyways, great football player. Uh, he's going to be an asset to anyone who drafts him. I don't know where he goes, uh, what round or whatever, but man, he's going to be an asset. I love him. Um, daily daps to Deontay Wilder. Uh, came from behind to beat Lewis King Kong Ortiz. Improved his record to forty and zero. 39 knockouts in those 40 wins, man. If you have not seen Deontay Wilder box, go find this dude online. This man, he looks wild. And actually, I, I, I got into an argument, uh, a little bit of an argument with uh, a fella at my, uh, at my boxing gym this morning, uh, talking about how Deontay Wilder's got no technique, this, that, and this other thing. And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't. But that straight right hand, that straight right hand that he's got, that is something special. And he does it with perfect technique after the win remember he beat this guy king kong ortiz 
the quote from Deontay Wilder was a quote from Training Day. I was gonna say, did he, did he go? Did he go Training Day on us? Did he go? He said, "King Kong ain't got nothing on me." And then King Kong ain't got nothing on me. And then he was shot repeatedly by Russian mobsters. I, I would <laughs> hope not. I would hope not. But uh, daily daps to uh, Deontay Wilder. It was a terrific fight between Wilder and Ortiz. A terrific fight. Um, and it was a lot of fun to see. All right, Matt Harmon, what you got? I wanted to give two daily daps. Yes. One, speaking of the combine, just to the 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 coverage here at the network that we do is killed it great uh, as always company hashtag company man here but there uh, you go <laughs> i was watching it all weekend as i was yeah. as checking out charting the receivers and everything like everybody just just it's a really fun event to cover it looks like it's something i'd love to like be a part of at some point but like just watching it it's a it's a total blast like every listening to some of the former players too like just when they're watch like people don't like to watch the drills on field but like when the receivers were were catching passes and running routes, it was awesome to listen to like Steve Smith and Michael yeah. Irvin. Kind of, yeah, you yeah. never really get to hear him do that. Like, right. really break down from a technical perspective. Like, you're not doing that on on game day morning. It's in, not like, a shtick. Thir- yeah, in a three right. minute hit or whatever, yeah. or like during games or anything. But in that moment when it's just the one player isolated on the field, they yeah. really get into like you know. And if you're a big football nerd or whatever, it's really fun to listen to them talk about the technique and, and the timing and everything that goes into it. So that was yeah, cool. Man. Second daily dap, I wanted to give a daps to uh, Chris Cornell, uh, who's obviously passed away last was – this was last May, I think. Um, uh, he uh, committed suicide, but they put out a, a, a cover of him. Like, it's not, it's not a cover, but, like, Johnny Cash wrote these two poems, and Chris – brought them together into one song. song interesting and it's really good um it's 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 on spotify right now so if you go search chris cornell you'll you'll find it there um it's uh, it's just it's haunting because both these men are obviously no longer with us and right. especially under the circumstances with with which chris cornell is is no longer with us with uh, us it's it's really cool to listen to it just like to, to view the two things together. Uh, you Never Knew My Mind is, is the song. Okay, there you go. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, what's up? Uh, I'm going to daily dap. I, and I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Gelhard dapped this a couple weeks ago, but I'm you kind did. of I'm piggybacking. Uh, Annihilation, which yeah. I went and saw, partially because, one, I, I actually wanted to see it, but also because there was sort of a budding debate uh, in the newsroom between Alex Gelhar and Patrick Claibon on whether or not Annihilation was actually hashtag good. Uh, and so, I enjoyed it. I oh, thought it was the belly behind the glasses giving it a thumbs down. Giant thumbs down. Well, I, thought it was, giant. I thought it was awesome um, in, in the sense that, I, look, I know there, there were questions about the characters' motivations. I really didn't care. I just wanted to see what was in the shimmer. Like, go in there and show me what is back there, and, you know, I want to see weird aliens or supernatural sci-fi stuff. Uh, and I thought it was. I thought it did that. I also thought uh, it's it's a good movie to see on the big screen. I mean, it's gorgeous. It looks fantastic. I thought uh, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, uh, Gina Rodriguez, the whole cast was great. I liked it. I know a lot of people came away not feeling that way. Tessa Thompson's in it. Tessa Thompson is Watch in out. it. Watch uh, out. So I liked it. Go see Annihilation. And, and sort of piggyback on what Alex said a couple weeks ago. It it is. It is original. It is different. Uh, it is not, you know, a reboot of whatever. Whatever. You know, it's not a superhero so, movie. Right. It's not a superhero movie. It's not a reboot <laughs> of whatever. It's something different and new and original for all of us who complain about the lack of creativity and originality in Hollywood movies that come out. Like, right. If we're going to complain about it, we should go support movies that are different and Makes new sense. and fresh. And so, hey, I finally saw Black Panther. So, oh my God, I do too. I'm, it was amazing. I'm three weeks into. Uh, I'm, I'm three weeks later. I'm into able to have conversations. Conversations with about, about, about <laughs> pop culture. I can finally stop. <laughs> I can finally stop like the last 15 minutes of podcast. Like oh, I gotta okay, stop because okay. they're gonna talk right, about right. it. Uh, <laughs> so we, I'm I'm relevant now. We have a uh, legit trend going on in the podcast as well. We go from producer Chris to producer Christina. Producer okay. Christina, what do you got? Um, I would say got a lot of people back. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a party back. Here. It's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a Wu Tang concert a, back there. Did singer, did singer bring the pizza or what? Like uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> got a whole crew back here. Oh my god! Uh, Live studio audience. Here we go. I'm Nobody's clapping. I'm giving a Nobody's clapping. <laughs> daily dap to my mom. She flies in today. To the mom. Oh, yes, mom. my mom. Yes. Uh, she flies in today. Not thrilled. I have to drive to LAX. During oh. rush hour to oh pick her up. God so. bless you. This, but this is a Just, good you know one. Hold a, that up. Hold that up. Uh, as a, yeah. An example of how much you love your mic. What I was, oh, exactly. was going to say. I was like just going to say. West Side Bubble Talk. No. This no, this is just. No, 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 no. This is just. You. Exactly. This, this is, is just that, anti-LAX talk. This, yeah, is, yeah, this, no, this no. is a different genre. Anti-LAX. <laughs> 
Although, oh, but for real, West Side God. Forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this West Side is, this is West Side Bubble Talk. No, okay. it's not. No, this is anti-LAX talk. No, it's just, not. This I is mean, LAX sucks talk. I mean, wait, how how long does that drive take you? Legit. No, no, 40, it's not. It's 45 not about, minutes. No, no, it's not about With getting. Traffic, no, it's not about getting to the airport. It's, it's about getting navigating. Through. It's about yeah. navigating the airport once you get there. This oh, is, it's a nightmare. I'll tell you what. You will. Like, I mean, this is classic West Side. I know. I know. It's it's hard for you, James, because you only have to drive to like Diamond Bar to see your family. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just hop on the. 105 or whatever. Let me tell you, you what. Get, you after know, the San Gabriel Valley, and you're like 91 to 57. After this, <laughs> after this Christmas, I had to do that that going in trip to to get my sister, drop my sister off, to get my mom and stepdad, and to then to drop them off. When I did it yeah. four times around a holiday, I was like, all right. I mean, I love you guys, but this can't happen this is again. A lot. Yeah, we, we need to work something else out. Oh my lord! But anyways, outrageous. Okay. So you definitely yes. you got it. You got some. The good moms is coming oh, through. Yeah. What you guys? What you got planned? Anything? What? Uh, well, she's here all weekend, so okay. not gonna... sure yet. But days okay. of activities. Ooh, days. days. Yeah. Days. So I'll wow. come back next week with, with quite a few things to talk about. Oh, good. All right, sweet. Love it. Perfect. All right. So that's your show for producer Christina, for MG, my guy Marcus Grant, for Matt Harmon. I'm James Coe. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.